Welcome to the Moss LaRae Show. I have two very special guests with me, Morgan and Kalia. Welcome to the Moss LaRae Show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm excited to be here. I am your host, Alicia LaRae Ellis, and we're going to just go ahead and jump right into it. As I mentioned before we got on camera, uh, one of the questions I like to ask is like share some fun facts about you, right? So I did some digging just because I wanted to find what what's out there on the <laughs> internet about the two of you. So Morgan, we're gonna start with you, ladies first, right? So I also hear you go by Big Mama Mo. Period. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Facts. <laughs> Hometown is Columbus, Ohio. Yes. All right. You're a mother. Yes. And you also are single. Yes. Okay. So y'all heard that. All right. Then we're gonna go. Also known as Just Cause. Yes. Okay. Hometown Chicago. Yes. All right. Used to work at Raising Canes. I did used to work at Canes. I worked at Canes for like five years. Okay, so that's a fact. Yeah. Favorite one of your favorite movies is Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you also are single. I am single, yeah. Wow, look at y'all. I'm like five for five. Okay, <laughs> so the internet came through, right? Right. Yeah. All right. So I want to go ahead and just want the audience to learn a little bit more about you both as individuals. And we're going to jump into what you guys are working on collectively. So okay. you want to go first, Morgan, and share okay. a little bit about yourself? Um, my name is Morgan Page. I am an artist, an author, um, a creative writer. Um, I'm just a creative in general. I'm a mom. I have a nine-year-old. Her name is Ava. Shout out to Ava. Um, I love to write. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I've been living back and forth between Cleveland and Columbus my whole life. Wow. So I've been back and forth as a kid, back and forth as an adult. Um, I love both cities, but I really, really love Cleveland. I love the grit of Cleveland. Um, I am an author, so I've written two books on my own and then a third with Khalil, just because. And... Um, I love to do, I love to be a poet. Like I love doing the work of a poet. So that's really pretty much all about me, really. I love yeah. it. And what that's what does being a poet mean for you? Being a poet means to um, speak on the issues, the trials, the tribulations, speak on the intimate, um, vulnerable things of the world that are going on in my life and in the world as a whole and um, giving it a voice and, um, being responsible for um, the ears that hear what I have to say. Yes, I love that. I love that. What about you, Just Cause? Um, so she got she got y'all a whole little spiel about <laughs> who she is. So my name is Khalil Cage. A lot of people know me as Just Cause. Um, mainly, I'm an educator. I love being an educator. When I'm not in the classroom, I'm somewhere on the stage. I love being a spoken word artist and an artist in general overall. I've been playing with a camera a little bit more recently, so it's been fun. Um, I don't got no special titles or nothing like that. I don't got no kids. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm from Chicago. I grew up in Chicago um, until I was about 12, 13. And then we moved to Columbus. Um, I was in Columbus from 13 to about 18. And then 18, I went to Kent State. So being at Kent, I got familiar with Cleveland. A lot of my friends, some of my closest friends actually were from Cleveland. So I got acclimated with Cleveland and by the time my sophomore year hit, I was like, yeah, I got to move to Cleveland once I graduate. Sure enough, a week after I graduated, jumped in my car and and got a spot up here in Cleveland. So I've been in Cleveland for about two, three years, and it's been a great, great joy ride. Um, I love Cleveland. I love meeting new people here in Cleveland. I love being able to collaborate with different artists here in Cleveland. Um, I love being an artist in Cleveland yeah. overall, mm -hmm. too. Um, similar to Morgan, so I have a, I'm an author. I have a book. 
Evolving When Love Has No Reality. And then the book I co-authored with Morgan. Um, we just dropped an album. Um, That's so nothing. Just We that. just dropped an album. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we working, we working on a lot of different projects, um, but... That's that's those are the biggest things I'll I'll speak about for right now. I love it, and I've also had the opportunity to hear both of you guys in your realm of creativity. A couple mm-hmm. and within the last couple of years, the poetry and the creative scene here is starting to pick up a lot. And I think Certainly. you both, with what you guys just released, can be a testimony of what that tribe is starting to form mm-hmm. in the city. But before we get too deep into that, right? I want to make sure just to set the record straight, right? Because I listened to you know some of the album that you guys released, Straight <laughs> Fire, right? But the question, Bernie, I know all the Cleveland wants to know, all your fans want to know is, <laughs> what is this relationship, right? And like, just describe it for me. Because when I first heard one of the releases, it was like, I want to give you babies, right? That's how you started. <laughs> and it's just this deep, intimate connection yeah. between the two of you. And I know that what you guys are creating as artists in this space is really critical. So just mm-hmm. set the record straight of what your guys' relationship really is. And then how are you using your creativity um, to showcase that. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, so essentially, when we we were always around each other when we first started, like we would be at the same open mics, we would be called to the same shows, um, hired at the same shows to perform. And um, I always noticed that he had started, he used to be very vulnerable in his poetry, like mm-hmm. writing about himself, his trauma, things of that nature. And me personally, I never wrote about myself. I always had a muse or I wrote about love or like, you know, just very vague topics. And then um, I reached out to him. He had asked me to be a part of the Sparrow's Fortune. This is an organization that we um, partner with and collaborate with. And yeah, all of that. But um, pretty much he had asked me to be a part of the Sparrow's Fortune. And we started writing together and stuff like that. And then... um, I was like, can you show me, like, can you break down your poetry for me? Um, eventually, we got to know each other really well and created a bond, um, a friendship. And essentially, we had the same business practices and business wow. morale. So we became, it became a partnership. But once you, um, once you get to know somebody that, that well or that intimately mm-hmm. and like just knowing the past traumas, breaking down poetry, helping me break down my poetry, I think that you it's it's a deeper bond than just friendship but it's not romantic I'll say that um we are really great friends great business partners um we kind of had the same mind we have a lot of similarities we we think alike in the same things he teaches me things I teach him things um but I think that everybody has that question of us being romantic or being in a relationship. So we're saying it straight here. Yeah, no no romance. No um, babies, no physical babies, no but physical poultry babies, babies, business poultry babies. babies business babies, <laughs> for sure. Not um, just humans, businesses too. That's yes, business. yes. Yeah. Because it was real. I mean, when you listen and want to talk about, you know, bear in, in the flesh, because mm-hmm. listening to it, and I'm looking forward to reading the book as well, it's like, it is this intimacy that you mm-hmm. don't really see. Like, when I think about it, I feel like it's a spiritual poetic justice. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, for the culture, poetic justice is, like, historic. Mm-hmm. But what I see with the two of you is a spiritual connection that I haven't seen. I haven't seen at our age. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen it displayed at the level you guys are displaying it. And I believe it is a 
a model and an example mm-hmm. of what true covenant relationship is about. And that doesn't always have to be romantic, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So like share with us what is Bearing the Flesh, what it is from both your guys' perspective and mm-hmm. like what got you guys working to, to do that collaboration? I think that to me, Bearing the Flesh is, it's that name. It's, it's allowing yourself to be bare, to be naked, to be open with another person. Um, similar to what Morgan was talking about just a few seconds ago, it was being able to unveil ourselves to one another for real. Um, I think that a lot of times when it comes to relationships, when it comes to friendships, getting to know a person is easy to hide yourself because mm-hmm. of, oh, I don't want them to know this or I don't want to share this part of myself because it might be too much. I think right. I can be too much sometimes or take up too much space. And I think bare in the flesh was that moment where we allowed ourselves to be vulnerable with one another but also vulnerable with the audiences that hear our work um, vulnerable with the listeners the readers because ultimately again it goes back to that spiritual connection that doesn't necessarily always mean um, something romantic I feel like oftentimes you can have a connection with somebody and it grow to be something that lives and and stands the test of time and that doesn't always mean that all these people are together Mm -hmm. or these people do these things together it's just a matter of being able to see yourself inside somebody um and for me bear did that bear was a breaking down of myself and also another way to build myself like morgan again she talked about learning from another person i learned a lot from morgan for real and similarly how she might learn things from me and I think, again, going back to the basis of bear, basis is two people coming together from two completely different backgrounds and then going through that fight, that urge to, I want to be here, I just don't know how to be yeah. here, and working it out with each other to say, okay, now we know how to be here, I know how to show up for you, you know how to show up for me, here's how we can show up together. Here's how we don't even got to show up if we want to. Like, so it's, it's all of those things coming into one. And then, again, like you said, that spiritual connection that comes into a bond, that's kind of where you hear the baby's poems. And it's, that's when two people can become one and thrive as one entity, as one being all together. I love that. That's it's deep. And you feel you feel that mm. in what you guys share. You yeah. really do. Morgan, what's your what's your thoughts on it? Um. So when we first began writing it or thinking about it, um, some OG artists, poets um, from the group. Uh, a crew. A crew. Um, uh, his name is Jamel. One yeah, of, Jamel and Woe. Jamel and Woe. They were like, y'all poetry, we, we performed. And they were like, y'all poetry goes like hand in hand wow. with each other. Like, y'all need to do something together. Mm-hmm. Um, this was March of 2020. 2022. Yeah, yeah, March of 2022. So we were still working out on our show. Um, introduction. The introduction with yeah. uh, the Sparrow's Fortune. So then um, we were like, okay, we can't, we can't do this. We can't start working on this now. So mm-hmm. June we had our show for the Sparrow's Fortune, and then with called the introduction, and then we started writing this uh, Bear in the Flesh in July. So at first it was kind of getting a little bit. Um, Social media, so it was, it was, it was, it was, it was was cultural, like the, you know, the arguments, the get back type Mm. of thing, the revenge, revenge culture that we have in relationships now. Like, oh, if he do this, I'm doing this, or if she do this, I'm doing this, or you know, I didn't want to. For me, like, I don't want to be so 
trendy mm. that it gets that it loses loses the the vulnerability or loses the meaning or the purpose or the intent behind the album. Yeah, the authenticity authenticity of the album and um or the show because originally we created it to be just a show. Okay. So with that, um, we started writing. I'm like, we got to go from our before, like before what is causing you to be this way in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And then we need to go into what the result of what you've been through prior to why you act, react this way in a relationship with somebody. And then you're seeing like, okay, we're mirroring our trauma from the past in this relationship. So these things are the results. So the first part is like four, four or five songs. Then the middle part is like the meat of it, which is like, oh, this is the trauma. This is the results of the trauma that you've been through with mm -hmm. your parents or what, you, what you've been through in past relationships, what you've been through to yourself, the trauma that you've endured to yourself and, or the pain you've caused yourself. And then the last part is, after going through counseling, the middle part is like the counseling part where you're working through those issues. And then the last part is like, oh, we're healed. We can come together. We understand each other. We see why. We know the things that we we could possibly do to hurt each other. We know the things that we could possibly do to heal each other. Yeah. And um, I really wanted to be thorough throughout the album. I really wanted to tell the truth. Um, the only way we could have told the truth is by telling our stories. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I really wanted to be genuine in that. I love like so. What do you want like viewers or listeners to gain and take away from that masterpiece that you guys have been able to create together? Um, for me, I want them to look in the mirror. Literally, literally <laughs> look in the mirror, get naked. Um, really take some time. Like if you're not already in a relationship, take some time to really get to know yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, why you feel like why your beliefs are your beliefs in relationships like why do you think a man as a woman why do you think a man should do this why do you think a man should do that why do you think you react this way or reacted this way in the past like if you put your hands on people or if you have this revenge nature where you want to get back at somebody why do you want to do these things um, really take a look at yourself in the mirror and see why maybe some of your relationships in the past have failed yeah. mm -hmm. and maybe what type of relationships you've thrived in that you felt the most healthiest take just really take a look at yourself and I feel like I pick myself apart a mm -hmm. lot a lot of the I'm really like um mentally I will try to figure out why I do the things that that I do yeah. so I'm always trying to say like why did I say that if I'm in a conversation like why did I like if I offended somebody like I'm like why did I say so that very though self -aware. like yeah, yeah very self-aware and like want to understand why I'm doing things that I'm doing so that I'm not you know harming somebody yeah. in the process so yeah. I think looking in the mirror is what I want to take and if you're in a relationship being able to talk about it with the person you're in a relationship with. I want I want to spark conversation and spark, you know, ideas and thoughts and oh, dang, I never thought like that before. Like maybe oh, maybe this is something that I have an issue with and then like bringing sparking those conversations so that it can bring healing in a relationship mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. What yeah, I agree. Everything that Morgan said, it comes down to for me reflection 
conversation and and compassion for real. Um, being able to reflect and look at yourself again, I think that a lot of black men more more than anything, a lot of black men, we don't we aren't taught to look at ourselves oftentimes, and then again. We aren't taught to look at ourselves with the with the purpose of progressing. Mm-hmm. We might look at ourselves for self approval, for pride, for ego, but oftentimes when it comes to somebody correcting us, we easily put up that that wall. Like, nah, you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to handle right. my business. And especially when it comes to relationships, because I've been that person where you're wrong. I'm right here. Like, I don't care what you got to say about it. But ultimately taking these last two, three years to look at myself and and grow and recognize, no, Khalil, you could have did that a lot better. Or, no, Khalil, you could have said this in a way that wasn't so harmful or wasn't so hurtful toward this person. That, a lot of that came out in Bear. And also being able to reflect on those childhood things. We talked about those childhood traumas. Yep. And again, Black men, we don't have those moments to reflect and recognize no, nah, when my dad didn't do this, it really impacted me. Mm-hmm. When I saw these two doing these things, it impacted me. When this happened to me when I was 12, 13, 14, that impacted me. Um, and so, again, all of those things come up once you're in relationship with another person because she might do something that I don't like, and I need to know why I don't like it. Because if I don't know why I don't like it, I'm yelling at her for no reason. Right. Or I'm mad at her and I want to talk to her and I don't even know why I'm mad. I just know that she hurt my feelings. Right. And so that reflective piece is very important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversational piece is after you reflect, you're able to say, yeah, when you yelled at me and said, I'm just like my dad. That hurt my feelings because me and him don't even rock like that. Not saying that me and my dad are not cool. That's my homie. But it's that recognition that a lot of times conversation, you can only meet somebody as deep as they met themselves. That's what this quote Mm. says, right? And so me and Morgan wouldn't have even been able to create this piece if we didn't know ourselves before we started having conversations, before we started... Yeah, doing the work. And then once you do the work for yourself, you can do the work with somebody else. And so ultimately, conversation is being able to say, not even this hurt my feelings. That made me feel good. I'm thankful we was able to have this conversation. I'm thankful that we was able to play and laugh and be kids with each other, right? So even on the positive aspect, being able to have conversation and be vulnerable. And I forgot um, what I was watching, but he was talking about the importance of there's honest, there's transparency, and then there's vulnerability. And honesty is, you ask me a question, and I'm going to tell you the truth. Transparency is, I'm going to go a little bit deeper in that truth. But vulnerability is kind of, you don't got to ask me. I feel like I need to tell you because yeah. it's owed to you, mm-hmm. right? And so I like that. <clears throat> ultimately, that's where I am consistently trying to strive to. And Bear was another avenue um, as we were writing the show to be able to dissect myself. Like Morgan said, pick apart myself to say I need to be vulnerable here. I need to tell my truth. And sometimes the truth don't sound great. Sometimes right. the truth is ugly. Sometimes it don't feel good. But that's where the compassion comes in at because that truth, recognizing your own truths and being vulnerable about your own truths allow you to accept and and really welcome other people's truths yeah. and those ugly things that somebody else might be experiencing or thinking or feeling when I know that I might not have liked what somebody did to me or how somebody may have behaved or acted in one way or another, 
I can reflect on no, Khalil, you did that too. You you did that too. You know how you felt right then and how you wanted to do this on your own, et cetera, et cetera. But being able to allow yourself to unravel um, makes you a lot more compassionate when other people are unraveling themselves in front of you too. It does. And I think that bear, um, for me, I want people to be able to hear me and Morgan unravel ourselves for myself, for her, for for them, and then begin to unravel themselves too, for yeah. themselves for one, and then for their partner, and then for their family, ultimately. Right. yeah, It's real, and I think, like, we had talked about this when we had met up a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, was, like, that work of sitting with yourself um, to heal, is, we don't hear about it, it's right? It, and it's painful. It's, like, one of the most painful experiences to really sit and sit with that childhood trauma, mm-hmm. sit with your 10-year-old self, sit with your three-year-old self mm-hmm. and say, that's not who you are, although you did experience it. And it shaped who you were becoming, but you don't have to continue to choose mm-hmm. to be a byproduct of the trauma. Yes. And I think now what we're seeing through creative expression, part of what you all are leading in the, in the city specifically is we're seeing the mental health on, on a platform mm-hmm. now, like never before. That vulnerability to me is one of the strongest gifts that we have as humans, but we've been taught that it's a weakness, Mm -hmm. right? We've been taught not to cry, not to open up, not to trust, not to be happy. And so what we do is we we hold all that in and becomes a cave within ourselves. So what what we're learning now, and it is freedom. It is ultimately a source of freedom to say, no, I know this happened but I'm going to heal from it. And I don't know how long it's going to take for me to heal from it. I might still be triggered in 50 years from now, but I know that it's not going to keep me enslaved to that identity. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel like when you talk with like-minded people, like-minded spiritual people, it's like you're seeing this wave happening of like, Mm -hmm. of healing, of vulnerability of that healing. And then, and then the model of, what the outcome is, which is, which is freedom. And that's yes. what I see listening to y'all Very being connected with y'all and seeing you guys in different spaces. And it's like, you're the same person. When I heard your poetry two years <laughs> ago or three years ago, when you came to Mike, it's like the mm-hmm. same thing, but it's evolution. Yes. And yes. I think we need to be trained how to meet people where they're at and learn where people are at. Mm-hmm. Cause you might also feel this when you talk to people maybe you grew up with and like, Oh no, nah, that's not really him. Like mm-hmm. I won't even people won't even go and support something because they don't believe that's who you are now. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a war in our own community because of what folks deem to be that brand new culture. Yeah. It's like I'm supposed to be the same person yeah. my whole life. So I don't know what your guys' view, but I feel like it is similar because it's an expression of your art it's and your yeah, your creativity. It's definitely that because there's been plenty of times where People have been shocked, especially like say friends from college or people even in high school, like, dang Khalil, you doing this, this, this raw. But it's that recognition sometimes that it's a shock that you don't think the same way no more. Or yeah, I did used to be out doing a whole bunch of things, but that just don't feed me no more. Right. And it's recognizing all oh, this is this is the same person, but they're evolving, they're changing the things that feed them. Um, and that ultimately does create a new person. And I think that that's one of the things that I work through when I'm talking to the students that I work with. Oftentimes, you have to change. You have to evolve and grow because you have to experience different things. And those experiences change you and therefore you change other people. And 
it's it's a daunting task to see yourself and recognize, wow, that don't that don't make me feel good no more. Going out like that, it don't make me feel good no more. Hanging out with this person, it don't feed me anymore. Mm-hmm. But even with that, it allows you to experience something else again. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I don't like doing this no more, but maybe I could go try going to a baseball game. That might make me feel good. And even if it don't make you feel good, you can still try something else. And that kind of hits back at the compassion point that I was talking about. Recognizing that you're evolving allows you to recognize that other people are evolving. Like, I didn't really understand it when I was younger when older people would say, oh, well, I see see a lot of me in you. And now that I'm a little bit older and work with younger people, or not even younger people, but even some of my peers, they might not have hit a certain point that I've experienced already. And I can say, yeah, I went through that too. Here's how I got through it. Or I, I remember I was feeling like that too. And... I had to separate myself sometimes. I had to I had to join community sometimes. Yeah. So it's that evolution itself allows you to see the evolution of others and that creates that compassion all over again um, and the willingness to to share yourself. And I think as an artist, that's my job. That's my job is to share myself no matter how ugly it might be, no matter how um detestable it might look (laughs) is it's a matter of being honest it's Mm -hmm. a matter of being vulnerable and that allows me to show up regardless of approval yeah and regardless Mm -hmm. like if you feel like showing up or not like you can share that and i think everybody ultimately is an artist Mm -hmm. but they are not always tapped into that artistry Mm -hmm. yes so when you find people who may just you know work a miserable job or they're going through the routines of life and he's like, man, how are you expressing yourself? Like, it doesn't have to be through poetry, but it could be through nature. It could be through painting. It could be through journaling, right? It could be yes. so many different aspects of life. But when someone is not cultivating self and expressing self on a regular basis, you're seeing this, you're seeing the side effects and Closed the results death. of that. And yeah. that ultimately is death. Like when you, you see it in our community mm-hmm. all over. You want, you want to share something on that? Um, I think when we, were, when we were talking about vulnerability, um, and you talked about it as a strength. I think that a lot of time people have not, they still feel like it's such a weakness yeah. to be that vulnerable and say like, I am not happy. Mm-hmm. Like people will not admit that they're not happy in their lives and in their relationships and in just regular living in their friendships. You know, we, we won't admit that we're not happy or um, I feel like I've always had an open avenue to share how I feel. And I've always been very expressive in that. So when I don't feel or I don't feel happy or if I'm feeling sad or if I'm depressed or if I'm all of these things, I'm very vocal about it. But mm-hmm. a lot of time people don't have that um, unction or or had the uh, the permission mm-hmm. to be able to say mm-hmm. that. And I think that um, it's a scripture that says, in my weakness, I am made strong. Mm-hmm. And I think that since I've been vulnerable with my with my journey, my story, I feel like I've been, you know, strengthened yeah. to be able to be have that permission or that authority to say when I'm weak or when I'm sad or when I'm depressed and not feel ashamed about ab- mm-hmm. about it. And I think that in our culture as millennials, as black people, as people of color, we don't we can't afford to be 
weak a lot of the time. But if I if I stand on that culturally or socially, then I'm I'm feeding I'm being you know of the world. Right. But if I stand on that in the Bible, I'm being made strong, and I and that's what I that's what my morale or my belief stands yeah. in. And I think that for me, like even when you when you're looking for a partner or when you're you're you know con- considering some dating someone i could never date someone that doesn't love what they're doing mm-hmm. what they do and are not passionate about what they do i'm not saying that you have to be a creative or an artist but you have to be creative in the way that you do something right. you know something. whatever you do whether it's you're an accountant you got to be creative in the way that you maneuver accounts mm-hmm. or something right but i think that I couldn't be with someone who's not happy with their job or not happy with what they're doing every day. They're dedicating hundreds and thousands of hours a year mm-hmm. to. And I think that once people get to the point where they're fed up, I was fed up when I made the decision to start doing the things that I actually like mm-hmm. to do. I did the things that I hated to do for years right. and, and suffered tremendously from that. Um, but in just a short time, four years, four or five years of being do, doing the things that I love, I've grown exponentially. And you're reaping, right? You're yeah, reaping I'm, what you've sown in yes. that space. And I think, too, to that point, it's like our weaknesses qualifies us for God's strength. Mm. Like, to me, that I'm a living testament. You're both living testaments mm. of that. And I don't think that we talk about it enough because of the culture and what we've been raised in to say, I come from a, a lineage of strong women, mm-hmm. but how has that worked for them? It's not, it hasn't, it won't, it won't, it didn't work for me. So shifting out of like, I have to be strong. It's like, I don't want to be strong. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be strong. I don't want to fight on my own strength anyways, because I see the, the, the results of that. It's not healthy. It's mm-hmm. toxic. It leads to poverty. It's all these elements that I've seen within my own family of women that's just like, okay, so how do I shift? How do I make mm-hmm. that shift? Mm-hmm. So before we, we go there, I want to take a quick break. We're going to come back with a fun game. Okay, okay. perfect. All right, perfect. The Maslaray Podcast is brought to you by Breakthrough Sounds, a recording studio and media company located in Valley View, Ohio. Your creativity creates here. Schedule a tour today at btsoundscle.com. All right, we're back with a game. I saw this on TV. So we got a board <laughs> for each of you and pass one over. Um, this game is knows better, okay? Since you guys have experienced this such intimate relationship, I'm I want to test it to see who who knows the other one better. All right, got some fun questions. So we're gonna go with you first, Morgan. The question is about Morgan. So you have to you both oh. answer it, right? But don't show each okay. other the okay. answer. Okay. We flip it over, right? So your favorite book, Morgan. All right, let's see. Oh, man, the purple. All right, all right. All right, so go ahead and erase that one. The next question is, um, how many kids do you want? This still from Morgan? Yep. You ready? Yep. Five kids. Nope, three kids. Oh. <laughs> you want all types? You want a village. All right. All right, so what would be more disrespectful, someone touching her hair or touching your butt? <laughs> oh, she probably smacked you for both of them. But, all right, we're doing good. All right, last question for Morgan. 
when she showers, okay, does she wash her feet every time or does she just let the water run through? Every time. So, yes. All right. Okay. You know, you've heard that. Like, I heard this like guy who was on a podcast. It was like, you're probably one of those guys that don't wash your feet every time. You just let the water, like, with the soap kind of just drip oh, down. Oh, no. I was like, that's tough. Okay. All right. So, now we are uh, Just Cuz. Okay. Favorite food? I know you know it. We finna act goofy. <laughs> Favorite food? What do you eat all the time? Do I need a countdown? Three. Four. <laughs> Girl, that is not the answer. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, 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 wait. We're not off to a good start with just because. It's cause he... terrible. You love food? Are you a foodie? I'm not too much of a foodie. I like cooking. That's my thing. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Veggies, yeah. red beans, rice, tacos. Oh, we're not on the same page. Oh, no, we're not. Yeah, <laughs> I love tacos. Okay. Hey, tacos, All right. So if if you had to take, excuse me, one thing with you, you only had one thing to take, would it be his pillow or toothbrush? Oh. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Toothbrush. Okay. That's a good, that's a good answer. <laughs> All right. He asleep anywhere. <laughs> don't matter. Don't need, don't need a pillow. All right. All right. So chitlins or frog legs? If you can only eat one. Frog legs. Okay. I have a funny story about chitlins. I have to tell y'all after this game. All right. Last question. How often... Does he wash his dreads? Mm. Every day, every other day, twice a month, once a year. Once a year is crazy. All right, let's see. Once a month. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I think I think the the award goes to I think it's probably much even because yeah. we both missed one question. You missed the food, and he missed the kids. Did yeah. you miss the... Uh... Oh, the food was the first one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, that's the game. That's Let's give a round of applause. You guys did good. Try to mix it up on the show. So I'll take you guys to <laughs> the board. No, this one. That's cool. <laughs> I did a 90s one uh, a couple months ago that was fun. Um <laughs> All right, so one of the things I want to kind of go back to was the album. So one thing mm -hmm. I heard, and I kind of pulled a quote from each of you that I thought was really interesting that and resonated with me as an individual. Mm -hmm. From Morgan was, how poor do you have to be to beg, something, beg for something that is free? Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn. Yeah. And I believe that. in that context, we we're talking about love, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So... Talk to us a little bit about that and where that might stem from for 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 you specifically. So that was in my poem Deprivation, and um, I wrote that poem just because of um, really one of the biggest things that I feel like I've may that may have been um, painful for me for me growing up was my relationship with my mom. 
Um, it was never an easy relationship. Um, I never felt like we were close, like the mother-daughter relationship that you've seen on TV, that I've seen with my friends, um, with their moms. I just never had that with her. And um, when I think about it, it's kind of like I can remember my childhood, but I can't, and I can only remember, like I never remember getting a hug. from. Like mm -hmm. I don't remember hugging my mom. I don't remember... Um, I do remember her working with me, like, on the things that I love to do, like singing, dancing. Like, I remember her taking me those places. I remember her doing my hair. I remember her always dressing me nice. I remember all of those things. But as far as, like, intimacy with my mom, I don't remember that, like, hugs or kisses or anything like that. And I have uh, four other siblings. And uh, I do feel like my mom tried to appease me and um, in, in some ways overcompensate with the things that she did for me but as far I think that I needed growing up I needed more intimacy mm -hmm. from her and she didn't have that for me mm -hmm. and um I think that for me when I look back on that how poor like I felt like I was deprived of yeah. that um mother-daughter relationship that I seen on tv or with my friends um and their moms and when I look and when I ask how poor do you got to be to beg for something that's free, I think that when I think about the love that I have for my daughter, yeah. um, it's hard for me to be as intimate because I didn't really receive that intimacy with my mom. So I forced myself to be able to do that because my daughter um, requires that. She likes hugs. She likes kisses. She likes those things. So even though it's not natural for me to do it is something that I will do and go the extra mile to do because that's something that I was deprived of, that I felt like I was deprived mm -hmm. of. And not to say that me and my mom's relationship has grown tremendously over the years, um, and I've been able to voice these things to her. Um, but I also feel like the way that I needed to be loved, she didn't have that to right. give So at that time. And I think that also when I think about that, that line, and I was just thinking about this last night. It's like God is just so intentional that um, I feel like, you know, I'm a chosen, chosen person. And I do feel like I had to go to go, you know, go through that abandonment or that mm -hmm. rejection, in a sense, to be able to see him as father. Wow. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't have, have seen him as that because I, you hold your parents to such a high pedestal. Um I would never have met him in a way that I needed to meet him if I didn't go through that rejection or that abandonment. Yeah. So although it was painful at the time, the the intention and the purpose of it, God made it for my good. So yeah. I'm super uh, appreciative of my experience and my journey with that. And I hope that it heals that line and the whole poem. People can, re I hope that they don't relate to it, but at the same time, I hope that if they can relate to it, that they see that they see God yeah in the yeah. midst of that yeah and you can see even like full circle of how God crafted your daughter to have a desire for that mm -hmm. so that you can also be healed to give that to her mm -hmm. right and I think like those are the things when you hear like God works in mysterious ways like those mm -hmm. are the mysterious ways yes. because not every child you know is part of that personality That's too true. you know but I think every child has a desire and wants to be fed that. So for for her to have that personality and to crave it, 
pulls that and strengthens it out out of you to yes. say, okay, this is this is who I am supposed to be. Yes. And you're gonna teach me, right? Because we always I always heard growing up, I'm like, why we gotta teach our parents? No, but for real. when you become a parent, <laughs> then you learn like my my child is also teaching me. It is it's the circle of life, mm-hmm. you know. And I think one piece you said too about um, she did the best that she could, mm-hmm. and I think that us as as adults who are children of our parents have to reach a point in our in yeah. our adulthood to say to say that because holding on to it just keeps us more in bondage mm-hmm. of that reality which is no longer truth. Yeah. And letting them heal by letting that go. Yeah. And letting yourself heal too. So. And letting them evolve too. They right. have evolved from from those moments and I feel like even as you have more kids, you become a better parent yes. because you've matured throughout the time and you've learned things from your prior child. Maybe you didn't do everything right at that time. I mean, I, my, I was my mom was 23 when she had me. And then she was 29 when she had my la- my last sibling, my sister. So it was just a different dynamic yeah. in parenting and relationship between all of us. And I think that's one thing I always struggle with my siblings because they had a different relationship with my mother than I did but I had a different relationship with my father than they did and I think that to understand is that they there we had two different parents mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I think that even in you know family relationships where things oh you you might think it's favoritism I mean that's maybe an immature way to think about it or maybe it is you know the truth of the matter or facts but I think that once you evolve in your thinking and right. you become a parent yourself, it's kind of like, okay, I can understand why she may have did this yeah. or why she may have not done that or why my parents thought that this was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to understand, too, doesn't mean that you agree with the mm-hmm. behavior, right? It's exactly. a level of maturity to say, oh, I, I can see why that occurred, but doesn't mean that I have to to agree with the behavior, Right, too. right. So the one for... Just cause was is this one. I grew up from a lineage of hustlers. Mm-hmm. Like, talk to us about that, and then I'll share some of like what resonated with yeah, me. Yeah, definitely. So that whole piece came from recognizing my upbringing and recognizing who I am today, like right now. And I grew up in the lineage of hustlers. From a lineage of hustlers, it was just recognized. I grew up in Chicago. I grew up in the hood. So all I knew was people on the corner hustling. Like I knew people who didn't mind selling drugs to get some bread, who didn't mind washing somebody's car to get some bread, who didn't mind selling bottles of water to get some bread. And that's when that's all you grow up with. That's all you know. And ultimately it brought me to a place of, I understood that Trapping wasn't wasn't my way of getting through life, but I also understood that the hustle don't stop no matter what it is. Like um, Jay-Z in American Gangster, he say, hustle clothes, hustle cars, or hustle music, but hustle harder than any hustle that you pick. And it's that realization for me that one way or another, we got to survive. One, one way or another, we have to figure out how to live, not just for ourselves, but for the people who come into our lives. We have to figure out how to live for the people who we bring into our lives, not just the people who come into our lives. Um, And knowing the people that we impact and all of that gets gets wrapped up in the hustle. And so 
I, I come from a long lineage of hustlers who grew up to steal before we starve. Mm-hmm. Is I would rather I would rather take something that's not necessarily mine before I allow myself or the people who who I'm supposed to feed to starve. And I think that that's that's very on par as to how I grew up. Um, and again, not saying that every way of uh, making money is the quote unquote best way or the most legal way, but I've learned that you do what you should do to survive. Yeah. And that's where lineage really came from for me, for real. And I, and I think, too, like, when I heard it and I heard the rest of, like, the context, it was just, like, what resonated is, I, I felt like some of that's my experience, too. And I think there's always this negative connotation of what mm-hmm. hustle means. Yeah. And, like, fraud of hustle or illegitimate hustle yeah. or, like, that survival. Like, I got to get it by any means necessary. And if I don't, who will for me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now as an adult, as an emerging adult that's coming into purpose and life and yes. freedom, it's like, okay, I still have to hustle. Mm-hmm. I have a hustle mentality, but how do I cultivate it in a way that works for me? Exactly. You know, and I think that's what's like, that's what I'm seeing evolve with like, with the work that you guys are doing as well. It's like, all right, I come from all of this and I know the extreme, yeah. the mm-hmm. full left. Exactly. Now, I don't want the full left. I've never experienced the full right. Mm-hmm. How do I get it and stay and stay true to me? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And know where I come from and know mm-hmm. like I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. We talk about that, but mm-hmm. that's that's deep. You know? And it's recognizing how much of them we carry with us right. for real. Mm-hmm. And that's where lineage really yes. made its point at for me. It was recognizing that this it's a spirit of uh like you said that hustle mentality that come with it i love meeting people i love being able to network i I know numbers i know how to be diplomatic about certain things and that's in my bloodline i recognize that again hustling on the street not necessarily the best way to do it but like you said recognizing far left might not be it and far right i don't i I never lived in that world before but how can i manage to, to live long enough to pass these same traits to my kids, to to the communities that I impact and and make them a little bit more conducive so that way when it's time for them to be 20, 25 and doing the things that they do in life, they can say, I still come from a lineage of hustlers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's really it. Yeah, I love that. And I and as like we talk about it, purpose is at the center. Yes. Right. And I wanna I want the the audience to get a better vibe for what purpose means for you both as an individual. And then we'll, we'll dive a little deeper because I'm a huge like advocate for purpose. I feel like it is the pathway of freedom and something that I really wasn't taught as a child. You're mm-hmm. not taught when you're coming from survival. There's no time for purpose. Yeah. It's only like you just got <laughs> to get up it. and go <laughs> yeah. and get up and get it. And so I think our generation is part of that generation that's breaking through mm-hmm. to say like, if I'm not in purpose, what am I really doing? Good. Right. It don't feel good. It I don't. Feel itchy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so share, like, why don't you go first then? Uh mm-hmm. just cause talk about like what purpose means for you. I think that purpose comes from a place of spiritual connection. It comes from a place of uh of perceiving. And so I'm reading this book right now. It's called the uh oh, I forgot the name of it. It's like a prophetic. I forgot the name of it, but basically 
he's speaking on prophecy from the aspect of understanding God and God's word. And he talks about there's a difference between prophecy when you're perceiving something and prophecy when there's a vision, right? And so prophecy, when there's a perceiving of something, there's an inner knowing of like, this is where I'm supposed to be at. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think purpose for a lot of us comes from that arena of perceiving. You might not be able to see it right now, but there's a knowing that this yeah. is going to work. I'm going to snap my fingers one day and it's going to be here. And that perceiving for me, I'm blessed to say it started when I was young. I was like 15, 16. And I was surrounded by these people who saw it important to pour into young people, who saw it important to create these programs that fed into and fed the pockets of young people. I was 16 making $10 an hour just for showing up. And um, I was doing stuff for the Columbus Urban League. Um, it was financial literacy programs. We were learning and getting paid to learn. Wow. And so within that process, I met a lady. Her name is T Street, the amazing T Street. And she was like our mentor for the matter of like three months that summer. And she poured into me like consistently. And she was a speaker. She was a speaker herself. Um, and so with that, I got to meet her and I got to meet a slew of other poets and and performers and people who spoke and not just spoke about anything but spoke life spoken to young people spoken to who we are and more than anything that's what stuck with me and by the time that whole session ended around August I was like yeah I want to be a speaker I want to I want to be able to learn how to speak to people and from that point forward I was into business I always liked business I just didn't know what to do with it and right around 18, I did a, a summer camp, not a summer camp. It was a fall, fall camp. And I was able to be a counselor for young people. And they were all high schoolers. And granted, I was fresh out of high school, but it was still cool to be that big brother type of person. And I remember, I'll never forget, me and a couple of other counselors were up to like two, three in the morning. And I was just sitting there just staring off into like the space that we had. And I I just had this feeling like this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to talk. I'm supposed to share my work. I'm supposed to share my art and I'm supposed to pour into young people. And I think the coolest thing about purpose is, is I was just talking to Morgan about it the other day. There's a blessedness that come with it. Mm -hmm. Like when you perceive something and you tap into that perception and you start to work toward it, doors like fling open. Yep. And that moment when I decided that, there's been nothing that I've set my hand to when it comes to poetry, when it comes to speaking, when it comes to mentoring, when it comes to building programs with young people that's been denied, that's been that's been prolonged to where I couldn't do it at all. Um, and I'm blessed to say I, I believe that I've been a blessing to people who I've worked with, who I've collaborated with and purpose. It, it's in your heart. And I'll say this and then I'm going to stop talking, but uh bell bell hooks um there's a conversation with her and john a powell and she talks about how she says um your heart has to be ready to carry the weight of your calling mm, before yeah. you can really tap into it and that like i just sat in right. that like, i had to pause it i was just like okay let me let me let i needed it to marinate yeah and i thought about all those times when i was scared like mm. it's it's a balance of like humility, but also knowing that this is what you're supposed to do, Khalil. 
And that heart, that heaviness in your heart that you feel when you know you you working here, but this not this not what this ain't me, it. though. This I know I could go further than this. I know I could be bigger than this. And it's is that that uh hesitancy that you might mm-hmm. feel. It's that um unknowing, but you just know this just don't feel right. Yeah. And it's your heart being, it's telling you, bro, this not, I don't feel good here. And your heart being ready to carry the weight because it's heavy. Like to be somebody, when I say stuff, people listen. That's kind of like, hey, I don't need, I don't want that type of weight. And for a long time in my youth, I was afraid of that. I was afraid to be the leader. I was afraid to be the person who people call on. And the more I grow and the more I develop, that's all I am in a lot of spaces on accident. Um, and I was afraid of that for a really long time because, of course, being a leader, being that person people look toward, you're going to take the fault if things don't go right. You're going to take that L if you didn't accomplish the goals that you set ahead of yourself. But again, being that leader, you also learn way more. You learn how to navigate people. You learn how to speak to people and and be kind to people more than anything else and show up for yourself as a leader sometimes too. So I said, I say that bell hooks quote because that's what I'll say unlocked a lot of the things that I've been able to do in my purpose. It was me recognizing that I have to be ready for all the things that come toward me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not ready for it, then I'm shorting myself and I'm shorting everybody else who I'm supposed to impact. Yeah. And that that shifted a lot of things for me because I was like, it was that moment when Moses was like, here I am, bro. Here. This is it. Yeah, this this it. If this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll throw the towel in. I'll stop trying to run away from what you want me to do. And again, in that moment, the I started going back up the the roller coaster track right then. It was like, yeah, let's let's get to yeah. it. So And yeah. being ready in our eyes versus God's viewpoint. Two different, Two things. different things. I'm like, what? You calling me to do this right now? There's no way. I don't have no background in that. Yeah. I'm not supposed to be there. Those people yeah. don't like me. I don't know what to say. I don't have nothing to wear. And it's just like, no, I've called you. Mm-hmm. Just walk through. And I think that's part of the maturity of trust that really only God can teach you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's not going to look like how we thought it would look like. Mm-hmm. And the preparation and even the tools, too, come along when right there is like, I'll give you the words to say when this time. <laughs> you don't need to be having <laughs> the words the day crazy. before or the two days before or a month or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, and that's sometimes what I, I kind of wrestle with because it's like, what? I do trust, but I want to know. So I like, mm-hmm. let me know, you know? Yeah. Um, so what about you, Morgan, for for purpose? Purpose? Um, I just feel like God is so intentional. Like, I, f- I feel like I know from a, a young age I, I knew I was supposed to do something big. I just I just felt like I was always attracted to, like, the big stars. Not like, you know, I was always attracted to Michael Jackson, Chris Brown, Prince, Jackson. <laughs> um, Whitney Houston, like, a big voice. Like, she, she was excellent, yeah. excellent at what they did. Excellent performer Michael Jackson was, an artist, just how in, how intentional he was with the sounds and the music, the musicality of his art. And I think that for me, like, I've, I've always been like, oh, I gotta be intentional in the right. way that I, so I can be a stickler, I'm very strict when it comes to business. He'll, he'll tell you like, with the- with, We're not doing any of that. This is what we're it, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a, 
a standard. It's a standard. And a seriousness that comes with the call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that um, 2013, uh, when I was pregnant with my daughter, God, I I really gave, I've always been a child of God, always been acclimated in church. I always had a relationship with God. But 2013 was the year I said, here I am. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, whatever your will, Lord. Mm -hmm. And Throughout that, once I hit had said that, my life changed tremendously yeah. um, from me having my daughter prematurely um, to facing homelessness. And when I think about purpose and God's intentionality, when I faced homelessness, I knew at that time that it wasn't for me. Like, I knew that I wasn't going to the homeless shelter because of me or wow. my wrongdoings or mm. my faults. It was like when I walked in, it was like peace. Right. So I stayed there. I wasn't in the same predicaments that the people that have been staying there for months or weeks at a time at that point. I wasn't in that same predicament. Mm-hmm. I had a job. I had a car. I was just a few weeks away, but I had to go to that, that what we deem as that low point yep. to get to where I'm at now, which Besides poetry, I do teach financial literacy and homebuyer education classes um, to be able to essentially help people become first-time homebuyers. So I had to get to that point to be able to show that compassion and be able to understand where people were at mentally and financially and physically and then be able to speak to them at that point to be able to help them to believe that they can get to this point of being a first-time homebuyer or being financially literate or financially capable. Um, so I think that when I think about purpose, it's like, I always purpose in my relationship with God goes hand in hand because of his intentionality Mm -hmm. in my life. And I think that when you're called and you answer the call, you got to be willing and ready to be prepared for what the call brings. And it's not pretty all the time. It's not. Um, you gotta you gotta endure some of those same emotions, those same avenues, those same, and you gotta figure out a way to get out of it, mm-hmm. so that you can teach other people how to get out of it, so that you can show people that I was the first example, so you don't have to do this. Yeah. Or like my siblings, I tried to. I'm very, I'm I'm a very hard, strong-willed person. When my daughter is the same way, I, I'm very like. This is and not so picky where people can't still be creative in the way that they do things. But if it doesn't make sense to me and you can't show me why it makes sense to you, we got to figure something out because I, I, I want to help you get to this point where you're not going through the same things. And some people, I know that me, I had to go through that to learn. There was no other way that I was going to learn if I didn't go through that. I was always going to think I was above and not beneath (laughs) so i think that for me purpose is just about the intentionality of god what he called you to do and being able to say yes here i am whatever your will lord and being able to be prepared in that process to get into what people deem right now as a peak and um i'm grateful i'm grateful for the purpose and the calling god has on my life i feel like you get that when when you know you've been called, you always have that inkling mm-hmm. to like, I gotta do it. Like it's something, it's something bigger than me. Yeah. It's it's something in me that's bigger than me that I have to produce. I can't, I can't quit. 
like you gonna feel disgusted with yourself if you quit. Like right. it's like that. It's like conviction. Like oh, I keep saying one thing that's like I've been toiling with the last couple of months. Really, the last year is like. I want to be done. I kept on saying, I want to be done performing. Like, I want to break. God is not allowing me to take that break from performing. He's not allowing me. It's like the things that he wants me to do, big things to call. He's calling me, and I have to continue doing it. But I think it's really me trying to trick myself out of my spot to take that break. Mm -hmm. Or knowing the responsibility of the ears, of speaking into the ears minds and souls of the people that are listening to me because now that we are on a bigger platform I think that it's like the enemy trying to trick me out of my spot to not because it's poetry has become very trendy and mm-hmm. with it becoming trendy a lot of toxicity is still being spread amongst yeah. the masses mm-hmm. and culture and I feel like the vulnerability that me just cause the spread of fortune we share um, that genuineness, that that intentionality in the words that we put together and not just trying to sound rhymey or trendy or or culturally appropriated or appreciated. Um, we have a responsibility to to put truth out there and to and, and to really heal people through our through our words, through our through our platform. And I think that for me, it's like that's that's why I'm here. Like my purpose is the only reason if God didn't have a purpose for me, there would be no reason for me to be here. There would be no reason for me to continue doing the work that I'm doing. And the blessedness of it is everything that we've done regarding poetry, regarding the album, regarding all of these things, I feel like God has blessed it. So that's his approval. Right. And that is, Mm -hmm. it just, it's like, I'm constantly being approved by God. I'm constantly, the things that I'm doing is pleasing to God and I'm seeing the blessing that, and I'm reaping, the blessing of the reaping the harvest of, of the work that in the preparation he's done in me and through me to see like, okay, I can could keep, I can keep going further. And I, and I think that I just don't see myself stopping doing the things that these are, these are the things that I love to do. He's generally gave me a desire for these things mm-hmm. that I didn't have prior to knowing my calling prior to 2013 I didn't know what I was doing. I just thought I was I was just doing what society said was you what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like this is what nineteen year olds are supposed to do. Right. They're supposed to be drinking. They're supposed to be smoking. They're supposed to be going out to the club. They're supposed to be having boyfriends and girlfriends. They're supposed to be doing these things. They're supposed to be mm-hmm. spending their paycheck on clothes all the time. They're supposed to be doing these things. And prior to two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, it was like when I gave God my yes, where I gave him like, here I am. It was like, okay, I'm about to strip you of everything that you had prior Mm -hmm. to that gave you any type of pride or ego. And then I'm about to, I'm about to redress you. I'm about Mm -hmm. to purify you. I'm about to renew your mind. I'm about to cleanse your heart. And then I started seeing myself as he seen me. And then it was like, okay, I can really answer the call now. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And and you don't really realize, and maybe you do. I guess I didn't realize when I did my yes, that moment was like all what was going to come next. Mm-hmm. 
But like in that surrendering, it is, it's like, all right, I've tried everything. I did all that, right? You named six, mm-hmm. seven different things. Okay. And it, I became someone who I didn't recognize anymore. Mm-hmm. It was so much darkness that it was just like, mm-hmm. who is, I saw pictures from that. I hate looking at pictures <laughs> from them because mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I don't not recognize that. And first of all, it's not an attractive individual either. And although, yeah, in some people's eyes, I was, but when I look at it spirit to spirit, it, it, I, it was ugly. It was mm-hmm. so ugly. So in that, yes, it is a surrendering to say, I don't know what this is going to look like, but the fight I've been fighting is not worth it anymore. So the, the other side has to be better. It has mm-hmm. to be better. And part of my yes was saying, like, don't ask me for nothing. Mm-hmm. You want me? You want this? I talk about this in my book. It's like then don't ask me for a thing. And that was my attitude for like two years with God. Mm. Mm. And God didn't ask me for anything. Mm. But it was the stripping that was happening. It was just mm-hmm. like, wow. And I just was walking forward. It was like everything, every decision that was made was just like open door, open door, open door. Yes. And it became effortless. And that's how I know like, what purpose for me is like it's not this forceful thing yeah. I don't have to go bang on it's doors easy. it's a red it's carpet it's so easy simple it's a red carpet my friend calls it <laughs> charity she's like I love the red carpet God yes. just continually rolls out for you and it's that recognize, recognize, recognizing the fact that when you walking in purpose it's a walk it's mm. a glide it's yeah. a nice little float it's a skate you don't gotta run you don't gotta he talk about don't turn from it from the left to the right. Just stay, stay focused, straight. bro. Keep straight. Stay stay in your path because you don't got to run. You don't got to do no extra work. You barely got to knock on doors for real. Mm-hmm. The door is going to be like, hey, you trying to come in here? Mm-hmm. Like, is is that recon, recogni- recognizing or recognition that ultimately when you walk in a purpose, it's easy. And it's the difficult part that friction y'all was talking about of it's a stripping of self because right. you got to look back and recognize, I don't like the way I acted right then. I don't like the way I thought right mm-hmm. then. And I might, I've read older poems of mine. It's like, Khalil, you could have, you could have did better here. Yeah. And not even the poem itself, but I knew my train of thought right then. I knew my flow of emotions right then. And I recognize now as I've continually been transforming and evolving, it still worked. Regardless, it goes back to that being the work, but the more and more you continually walk, excuse me, walk forward into your purpose, it's easy. It's easy things. It's easy. And it's like purpose. I always say purpose is because Mm. once you start walking in one thing and you learn who you really are, then God adds more to that purpose. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who knows? I might be painting next year. I just don't know because I've never been in this season. Mm -hmm. So as you level it, God brings you to the next level. It's like, I'm going to add more and I'm going to take some things away that's Mm -hmm. not serving you anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think for us, as we continue to create, and that's why I love the show because it's part of my creation. Mm -hmm. You know, what God, I feel like is calling me to, a lot of my day-to-day is at that strategy and critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Sometimes I just need to turn that side of my brain off. So this platform of Masleray really gives me an opportunity to bring and connect with like-minded people and creators to say, how, how can we continue to create dialogue and transformational stories that I believe the world really needs to hear, especially our generation when so mm-hmm. many people, suicide rates that are all-time high, right? We're seeing more people get hospitalized from drugs and overdose. And 
people are searching for identity in every single thing, but yet we hold something so valuable that God's like, why are you not talking about this more? Mm. You know, and that's what I see y'all doing with your platform. So as we wrap up, I always love to end with a pure message. That's what Masteray is all about, creating a pure message for our generation. And so I want to learn more about your pure message that you like to share with your audience in different spaces through poetry or whatever platform or an outlet that you have. But if you want to bless the show and the audience with individually uh, what you kind of coined to be your pure message, I guess in this season, because those pure message evolve yeah. um, over time. Um, I'll say my pure message is it all starts with you. So visit yourself, sit with yourself for a little bit, for a lot of bit. I've been sitting with myself for a minute. Um, and if you want to find who you, out who you are, go to who created you. Yep. Only the manufacturer knows its product. Facts. Um, I'm going to kind of go like, I would say to Morgan, um, I would say that my message to everybody would be um, get inside community, for real. Be inside community and give yourself. I think I've spent a lot of time being selfish for so long that my a part of my yes was being selfless. It was it was being in community and giving myself within community and and not in a savior way, not in a uh uh what do you call that trying to rescue people type mm-hmm. of way, but giving your gifts, giving of your gifts giving of your intelligence, your intellect, your your powers and your purpose, give that to the communities that you are a part of, for real. I love it. I love it. So I want to make sure um, that people know where they can find you guys. I'll make sure I send everything out and the links and whatnot. But if you want to just go ahead and share maybe your IG or website so people can find you and connect with you. Mm-hmm. All right. So my Instagram is morgan.ism. So M O R G A N dot I Z M. Thank you. <laughs> and um, I also uh, you can follow our other Instagram pages at the Sparrows Fortune on Instagram, um, Poetry dot Unplugged on Instagram, and Bear in the Flesh on Instagram. Yeah, and you can follow me at Just Cuss. So J U S T dot C dot O dot S. And it, our website oh, for yeah. the Sparrows Fortune is <laughs> www.thesparrowsfortune.com. And then Poetry Unplugged's website is www.poetryunplugged.co. Love it. Mm-hmm. Y'all are doing so many amazing things. We're about to be collaborating on a project. I hope to get both of you guys on. Um, for those of you tuning in, we are doing a live podcast recording on June 13th, um, July 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, so, also looking for performances so if y'all are available that day we'd love to have you guys come bless the stage with us but again just want to thank you for taking the time out to join the show um i appreciate both of you i value who you are in our community and i look i look to you all too as as creators and like-minded people so i'm looking forward to like what god has for us to continue to collaborate on um and the platforms that's that's being evolved um but i want to just if you have anything last that you want to just share uh before we totally wrap i don't got nothing stay lit y'all have fun be in your bible Read some books, get get cultured, get educated, all that good stuff. That's pretty much all it. All that good stuff. And write some poetry. And come to a writing workshop on July 10th. Yeah, come kick it with us. And listen to, yeah. listen to the album. Listen to the album, Bear in the Flesh, yeah, yeah. on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, 
Apple Music. All that. And tell us what city you want us to pull up to. Yes. Tour coming soon. Trying to come yeah. on tour. Yes. Sure. I love yeah. it. I love it. Well, y'all been tuned in to the Masla Ray show, um, bringing more light through heart-to-heart conversations everywhere. And I'm super blessed to share this platform with the two of you and looking forward to continuing uh, to collaborate with one another and co-create. So we're signing off. <laughs>